Ladies and gentlemen, have you ever taken a moment to consider the possibility of physical therapy? Physical therapy in the best way. If you have a problem, you got to get it off your chest. That's a bench press. I'm talking about Electrum Performance. Open GuardCast 25 is our discount code. Use that. Use Electrum Performance. They're the best strength and conditioning guys in the jiu-jitsu game statistically and also in my heart. So I'm joined. <laughs> uh, Jake, uh, my name is Jake Watson. I'm joined by Danny O'Donnell. And today we have Purple Belt World Champion and I would say Phenom, uh, should be better known, Kevin Carrasco. Thank you for joining us, bro. No, thank you for having me, guys. I appreciate the invite. Uh, wouldn't want to ask for anything any better. Dude, awesome. and it's super cool to have an athlete from Arizona finally. You know what I mean? Like, I feel first like uh, everybody lives. Yeah, you're you're our you're our first like hometown hero. We get to we get to interview on the podcast. Spoiler alert! You guys think I'm from Arizona? No, you live here. Yeah, I live here. Yes, yes, yes. That's yes, what yes. I'm talking about. I know okay. you're not from here. No, of I know course. you're not from here. You, you that's, moved. That's actually you, that's a good, good a good, a good question to uh, to start out with. So, do you want to talk a little bit about like where you're from originally and like how you got oh. into jiu-jitsu? Oh, of course. Um, I was nine years old when I started jiu-jitsu. I started in uh, NorCal, Sacramento, California, and because Aries is a very relatively new team, of course, I didn't start with them. The name was actually called Tiapolista, and my family and I do it as well, so it's not just myself. Myself, my two brothers, my sister, my dad. Um, more along the lines when I was training and feeling like I wanted to get more serious with competing and political stuff, of course, I kind of moved out of my first gym, bounced around, and then found Aries uh, through a friend of mine who was also a black belt under our affiliate. So um, as soon as I joined on the team, and to be honest, like I didn't know too much of, uh, like for example, Kishino Samir, or even like big, big guys like the Meow brothers and stuff like that. Um, my old instructor in my old school like was very old school like he was old school brazil and it was just like one dojo no cross training so uh what i do appreciate from that was like i had the mentality to just like go 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 and to kind of not really get scared of uh, things like that and to not really be feared and just keep rolling and kind of take the pain away like all that stuff right so um when i joined <laughs> it was like all right i didn't realize worlds was an actual huge thing pan ams and all that stuff i thought it was just you compete here, you compete there, and you go back to your dojo. But I was exposed to, like, a whole different realm when I joined that team. So it was really, really crazy. And here I am, back in Arizona, under Kishino. And uh, so far, so good. Almost a year here. I think around August will be my one complete year. And honestly, despite the heat, it's really cool. I really do actually like Arizona. There's nothing bad about it. I really do enjoy it. Um, I wouldn't really regret coming out here to move here. Yeah. it's uh, people. A lot of people are... Kind of, I don't know. I don't want to say babies, but <laughs> it's not. It's not like actually the surface of the sun. You know what I mean? It's not like Satan's domain here. It's, it's just hot. <laughs> You've been to Florida? It's ridiculous there. Yeah, in Florida it's like humid and hot. So you just it feels like double heat. It's like being inside of a swamp cooler, and you're just like, I don't understand how people Sweating complain about Arizona all the time. Exactly. But hey, I actually have a question, and uh, I'm gonna try to phrase this the best way I can. So Kashio is also an avid competitor, right? Yeah. A lot of gyms have coaches that don't compete a lot. So what uh, what is it like having that kind of environment, that, like that kind of training environment where the coach is also avidly and actively competing? How does that? How is the environment in the gym down there uh, with Kashio? Um, well, the whole vibe is uh, not necessarily super intense, like strictly competing and stuff, because he has a big balance of people who are recreational and go for like exercises and stuff like that and then he has his team of course his little group of competitors so as uh, like myself and a couple other teammates of mine so for any kind of person in the crowd who goes in for example and wants to just roll and there's always those groups like you know how every gym has their clicks but more likely as you know regardless of what the group it's all one team and not necessarily like i said a huge intensely like jujitsu strictly com competition based but whenever competition season comes to, does come around like two weeks prior, three weeks prior to like Worlds Pans, of course you'll start kicking up the, the pace and set aside different schedules for uh, athletes specifically. So you could say like um, maybe not too different on a day-to-day -day basis, Monday through Friday, like classes for uh, typical coming like uh, comers of uh, practitioners and stuff. Of course, like extra training and weekend trainings and stuff like that, then for sure he kicks up the notch for sure. Like more intense training and like open mats and stuff. Cool. I think that's interesting.
interesting, Jake, because like Andre obviously has competed a lot, but he he isn't as active right now. Just had a lot of injuries and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. do you feel like there's like pros and cons to training with like only competitors, or do you think it's good to kind of have that mix? Like Kevin's saying, like sometimes it's like the competition classes, sometimes you know you're doing the same stuff as the hobbyists or the people who, who don't compete as often. Well, my training environment is a lot different. I train with uh, primarily masters competitors. Actually, it's something a lot of people don't know. Is uh, mm-hmm. I don't I have like Cade and. The, uh, a guy named JT at our gym and Connor. And those are like our adult competitors. Everybody else is masters one or two and up. So um, my training environment is a little different. It's a lot of people who have jobs and they compete because they like to, but it's not like the same goal as I would say like Kevin or myself where we're trying to be world champions at the black belt level. Um, yeah. One thing about Andre that's really nice is he has had a lot of experience being great friends and even training partners with like Saul Hibero and, and Zanji and some of these guys who were pioneers of the sport at the highest level. And he was able in, even though he can't compete a lot anymore, I would relate it probably to how maybe it would be, uh, being influenced by Kashino or somebody who competes a lot right now. You know what I mean? He can put himself in their shoes. And Andre's also, uh, I've lucked out. Andre's a freak. He's like a psychopath. And he, uh, is he just, dude, that guy will stu- right now. I guarantee you he's studying jujitsu in some facet. He did that's what he enjoys to do. So he will like, I, I remember we had Alex Bryce on, who said there's nobody in jiu-jitsu that um that like takes the, t- the statistics of every match and finds out how many times a submission happened and how many times this position happens but Andre actually like does that so it's 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 an interesting environment for me i think it's a, a little different though mm. cool so one thing you mentioned too that i thought was pretty interesting was that your family trains so like i know at a young age a lot of times like at least for me personally like it's kind of cool to like do stuff that's like different from your family but was that something that that motivated you um to like you know pursue jiu-jitsu more full-time as a career or was, or was it just like they just happened to it just happened to be into the same hobby it was um it was my brother and i who started in the beginning and yeah of course like as a nine-year-old as a young kid you're gonna think oh it's all fun and actually, prior to jiu-jitsu, I did a Kempo karate. So what made me want to get out of that was because it was more games. It was more kid-friendly and, like, all that stuff. Maybe more towards the money so they can get more kids and stuff. But, like, I left because I wanted to go spar. I just wanted to spar. I just wanted to do stuff like that. I want the action. And then one day I go to jiu-jitsu, and then I try it out. And this kid's, like, rear naked choking me, arm barring me. And my dad's <laughs> in the background laughing at me. But at the same time, I'm enjoying it. So, all right, cool. And there was... It was at this one spot, it was like an MMA spot where you just show up in shirts and shorts. And that's when I like found out about it. My brother went to this gym, which was that one first gym, uh, Palisa. And then I walk in there, there was like yellow belts ready. And they're kicking, like, kicking my ass. Like, all right, cool. This is exactly what I want to do. Um, and immediately, immediately I fell in love with it. Because like I said, I wanted to roll. I want to do all that stuff. I didn't even think about, luckily, like my parents, there are parents. I met parents who are like super strict and they have those kids, you know, who are like, crying and they have those parents like you're not gonna give up you're gonna keep going and super intense like my parents weren't like that they just said hey go enjoy it and then that's it and due to that kind of like luck of having those kind of parents uh i was just like falling in love with even more and more i even competed my first month it was with a yellow belt girl when i was like a one or two stripe white belt and she was a green belt in judo so every time she flipped me i'd get back up and she'd throw me again and again again and every time I bring that up, my parents say, you're just, like, smiling the whole time. But the girl just kept throwing you, getting, like, six points, <laughs> ten points. Yeah. Like, Man. even from a young age, I already started competing. That's, that's super. With, mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, that's super awesome to hear that your parents were, like, encouraging like that. Because nowadays, you see a lot of parents who, you know, they really push their kids. Like, they force them to compete, doing all this crazy shit. So, it's awesome yeah. that your parents just wanted you to have fun and, like, have that activity that you no, loved. No, of course. Yeah, uh, for sure. The only thing, though, that I realized when I was competing was uh, um, my parents from a Hispanic background are very work oriented. But from where they come from, they wanted me to do school, school, school. And I struggled a lot in school. So like middle school, high school, I wasn't doing the best. And I even tried convincing them as much as I can. Like, I just want to keep training, keep training. And of course, I had to finish high school. And actually, when I won Worlds, that's when my mom, especially my mom was like, all right, I think for sure, jiu is something you're going to be serious with. And of course, it's going to be like that, you know. And, uh, yeah, um, even to like this day, uh, I cannot say that I train like twice a day and do all that stuff. I have a part-time job and then do jujitsu. So in order for me to make up rent, because of course I'm not with my parents and, uh, yeah, yeah. even to day and all that stuff. So, well, that's how it starts. You know what I mean? A lot of, a lot of athletes, uh, especially like yourself who are lesser known and who are doing amazing things, they're 
I mean, you're working right now and jujitsu is not exactly maybe something that you can make your full time priority, but you'll be able to, you know what I mean? Especially having somebody like Kashio in your corner and your supportive parents. It made me think like I, I had to, I was very lucky um, to come to the conclusion that I wanted to do, wanted to do jujitsu for my life because I mean, my parents were my dad. It comes from like, you know, a background where he had to work for everything he had. And yeah, exactly. he's like, you're going to you're going to do this. And then I'm like, okay. And I just said, okay, for, I don't know, <laughs> the longest time, <laughs> seven years. Yeah. And then, and then I decided one day I was like, I don't want to do Muay Thai and boxing and all this stuff anymore. I just want to do jujitsu. And, uh, I'm glad that your parents, like, I feel like there's something to be said for just like letting your parents foster an imagination and like, Hey, let him have fun. And then he'll fall in love with it instead of like, well, what if I make it something forced? Like, yeah. no, you don't got to do that. So that makes me happy to hear. And I feel like, pff, I mean, we like we like we like having people on and and seeing their story and you have a great story man. Yeah, I appreciate it man. So obviously you mentioned that like once you won the worlds as a purple belt like your mom was like okay this is probably something that you can do like professionally but yeah. did you kind of decide that you wanted jujitsu as a career like well before the worlds or was it like yeah. after way after you won it? For worlds way before worlds uh I was even in high school and like all my friends would go hey let's go party all that stuff and the first thing my mind was uh all right well, you know I gotta go train. Even in college, when I was going to college, like these professors of mine, my old professors were, were like describing certain math equations and stuff. And for some reason, I I go, oh, damn it. Last night I could have passed guard like that and all that stuff. And like, <laughs> but yeah, exactly. Like, no joke. No matter what, that was the hard part of me. Even in college, like I was with my girl and my sister a couple classes. And I tell like, dude, I cannot stop. Like, it's just like, it's not that it's boring. Like, everyone's going to say the same thing. But like, I'll be in class literally thinking of jiu-jitsu. My brother even says too, like, man, one day if you open a gym, because they already knew they've even told me like a long long time ago like if you open up a gym in arizona or oregon or whatever i don't care where i'm literally going there i have a like i said my whole fam but one of them in uh, hawaii uh he trains also just use a pro belt even sell like, dude like if you open up a gym i'm following your footsteps and my sister said as well off the bat wow that'd be cool that'd be like yeah, a that'd be awesome. that'd be like a like a royal family you know what I mean? Like, this dynasty, dude. That's sick. All of you guys teaching at the same gym. That'd be sweet. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, can you talk a little bit more about, like, what the transition was like to Aries? Because, like, like you said, you were at, like, a more traditional school before that. And then Aries is, like, very competition-based. Like, there's Samir, Kishino, like, tons of good competitors. So, like, even though you were training a lot and you still probably didn't, like you know, double the amount of times you were training or anything like that. Like what, what was like the, the change in your mindset, like training with mostly competitors or training with guys who had like the same aspirations as you? So my first, first gym, see Polista, uh, like I said before, it was like a little political, I guess, or stuff happened. So my really good friend, um, moved, um, he went to Aries and of course he kind of juggled around. So then I also just like, not immediately after him, but it was much more later. Uh, I went to a gym that was pretty relatively close to my house at the time, and I didn't really think I had, like, the most uh, exposure to it. I felt like I was, like, missing something else. And so one day that he took me to a, I think it was a training camp or just a day of training in Aries, and it was about an hour south of where I lived to Modesto. And I go there, and uh, I, I guess they noticed me or whatever, or, like, I kind of just, like, felt a good vibe, and I liked the training. Um that same year, I went to World's Camp, and I'm rolling with this one blue belt. I don't know if you guys know him named uh, Igor Veliz. He's in no. uh, Future Jiu-Jitsu in, um, I think it's some part of uh, Florida. And I'm rolling with this kid. Next thing you know, he's, like, passing easily, passing easily. And my mistake was going in, like, all right, I'm going to show these guys that are my guard and all that. He passes, he passes. I was a blue belt at the time. And right then and there, I thought, you know, these guys are being come, like, are coming in from Brazil. He has that exposure. He has that access, because, you know, like, to just have people have connections and say, hey, man, if you're training for Worlds, come in, blah, blah, blah. And that's pretty much what happened. So that was, like, the first kind of moment I thought, you know what? I told my parents, I said, hey, what if we join Aries? And there was one down south, like I said, from my house, uh, an hour down south, like Modesto, and then also one hour up north from where I live. So I was, like, in between. And they go, no, it's too far. I said, let's try it out. Let's try it out. Because, of course, our good friend, his name was uh, Manny Moreno. He was... um teaching up north so we tried it out and then little by little I was going going every Tuesday every Tuesday and then started becoming like Tuesdays maybe weekends and then weekdays and then of course like when I was getting more serious more serious actually with Aries uh, I was consistently winning first 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 I was 
being helped out by going to Seattle, Austin, uh, not Austin, um, Atlanta, and um, other places like that. So I was getting like the complete support. It was like a complete experience for people who want to be a competitor. And like, it was just like back to back to back, good uh, moments at a time, immediately when I was transitioning. And so when I was going to like train for pants, train for worlds, we also had those camps. And that's when I was like kind of getting on Instagram and like thinking, man, like these guys have those camps. But like now I'm in it. I'm kind of like living that lifestyle of other competitors doing that stuff. So immediately, actually, when I got into the Aries like scene, it was just like back to back competition is exactly what I wanted. No doubt. Do you ever feel like, OK, so there, I feel like every athlete has like a period where they make a change, a big change like that. And they can they have an experience that reminds them of how far they've come. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure transitioning to Aries, I mean, you've probably felt your game improve in leaps and bounds. Was there ever a moment where like or like a tournament experience or uh, a performance where you were like, oh, crap, like I've improved a lot. And you kind of had that you felt that period of improvement. Mm, when it came to like small tournaments, it was progressive because uh, the environment that I was in with Aries, it was just. For me personally, like nowadays, I don't really get nervous for competing. It uh, doesn't matter. Like last year at Worlds, I wasn't nervous at all. I was completely ready mentally, physically, uh, technique-wise, whatever. But um, those moments that I was kind of assuming to myself, like, oh, man, I was getting like really good. Like my game shot up wasn't necessarily like a big impact. Um, maybe like Worlds because during the, that weight cut and during everything that was going on, um, that's when I, for some reason, like just for some reason, I felt super confident. My game was going really well. I was rolling with people who usually give me a hard time, and I was giving them a hard time at the time. Just, and you, 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 and you know, like when you're cutting weight, you kind of have no room for mercy. You know what I mean? Like, like <laughs> you're gonna shake hands with a guy and say, "Hey, I'm sorry, but I'm gonna try to break your arm because I just want to get this training over and cut weight." And so, like, like I said, those small tournaments were just kind of making me feel like, "All right, I'm getting good. I'm getting good, and I'm getting first and all that stuff." Uh, even when I lose, like it was never backing me down. It was just like, "All right, let's just go back and train." But of course, Worlds was like during that training camp and everything actually aligned perfectly well. just enough for me to make it through. And I think maybe right after that, I was just thinking, all right, cool. Because there were other moments where I feel like it could have been ready. It just maybe wasn't my time. Like uh, last year at Pans, I was doing Rusha weight as well. And uh, I was rolling with Kishino's brother and we go for a scramble. And then he gasses me like really, really hard on the eye. So like I have a scar there. I had to get like six dishes. And that caused me not even to do Rusha weight for Pans. So like. I didn't even do that. I just did a life feather just for like the heck of it. And I feel like super ready. Like I said, I was going for a shirt and then next thing you know, boom, like it just messed up. But Worlds, it was like a completely different vibe more than anything I've ever done. And I think for sure Worlds, like of course, small tournaments, but Worlds was like the one that for me. Maybe that's why I'm, maybe that's why I'm too nice. Like when I compete or something, because I don't cut weight anymore. Uh, <laughs> maybe I need to. Maybe I, I haven't cut weight since I was like 16 for like oh, no. blue belt. I cut I cut for uh, an Arizona tournament, but like I said, my parents were or my dad rather was pretty intense. And Andre got mad at my dad and was like, "Watch," because I was losing. I was losing in state over and over because I was so tired from the weight cut because I was fucking oh geez, just curse on the podcast. No, you're good. Sixteen you're years good. old. <laughs> I try not to do that though. See that? Uh, everybody makes mistakes, but. <laughs> I uh, I cut weight, and then Andre's like, you know what? He'd probably get double gold if he just didn't cut. Next time, he doesn't cut. And it is, and then oh, my dad was like, okay. And I got double gold, obviously, because that's how the goes. And then, uh, and then I never cut weight again after that. But I, I feel like maybe I just need to actually listen to the Electron Performance Open Garcast 25 advice and and actually gain the weight so I can cut it. I don't know. I, I can't cut down the middle anymore. So you fight you fight Light Feather or Rooster? Uh. Last year was, uh, of course, I'm a little bigger for that. I'm not going to, I don't think I'm going to be able to cut through you yet that, that soon. <laughs> I'm sitting around like heavy 140. So when I was even doing spider, I was uh, doing cutting for life. Well, that is a good segue into actually something we want to talk to you about, about spider, dude. Because, dude, I, okay, first of all, I didn't even know the tournament was happening until like a week before Danny That's brought it to my attention. Key. They were low key about it. Completely. They were low key. They don't mess yeah. So they made they made like one post about it maybe like a couple months before it happened, but it was super vague. They didn't name any of the competitors that were gonna be in it. But go ahead, sorry. uh, So my situation was I applied, of course, like a bunch of other people, and then they select eight. You guys know, and they had that post maybe you're like 
talk about the same one where it was the bracket, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they had the bracket. They had the bracket, and there was like two people from the states. All right, I didn't get picked. And then next thing you know, I get a text from this guy who was taking care of us. Cool, super cool guy. Uh, on uh, the DMs and Instagram, saying, "Hey, we're the um, I'm with Spider, blah blah blah." And this was four days prior, four or five days prior to flying out to Korea. So I had last minute call. A last minute call. And so, hey, so we are with uh, Spider Korea. We want to know if you uh, can compete. It's like a last minute call. Some guys got out. The two dudes, of course, from freaking uh, the States. So, all right, whatever. That was my shot. I thought, all right, if they're going to text me in order to do that, that means then I got to do it. So I went to my boss. I work at a UPS. I told my supervisor, I'm like, hey, and I don't even talk to him. Like, I don't talk to him at all. And I'm like, hey, dude. Look, I do jiu-jitsu, and I always have a jiu-jitsu. Like, look at my shirt. I do jiu-jitsu. I do it all the time, bro. I'm, I'm giving, like, the whole detail. And he goes, oh. He kind of stepped back because, like I say, he doesn't talk to me. And he goes, all right, I'll see what I can do. And that was, like, like, like I said, four days prior to flying. The next day, I was like, hey, so what happened? What is, what's going on? He goes, all right, so how long have you been gone? I said, three weeks because I have to do two-week quarantine, and then I'm going to have to fight after blah, 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 blah. And he goes, oh, so you're going to miss that long? I said, look, I understand if you don't let me, but this is a huge opportunity, blah, blah, blah. And I was giving the whole detail. All right. So I got the confirmation. I got the thing. I got the flight and everything. And so I just flew out. That's literally how it happened. It was just four days prior. I didn't even have time to train because those four or five days of uh, uh, training prior, it wasn't even, like, worth it because not only to the fact that I was leaving and it was unbelievable, you know, like when something so big happens, yeah, you know, it was really like shocking. Was, that's exactly. I was super shocked for the whole time. And uh, even to this day, like I win worlds or I'm with Kishina, I'm with who these, all these people. Like if I walk by Mendez bros or if I walk by whatever, or if like a significant event happens, I still see myself as like, I will never be those, you know what I mean? Those gods yeah. or whatever. Like me being inspired was super unbelievable. And it still is like, I've, I just came back from Korea and I don't feel it. So that's why it was hard for me to train and have that mindset. And I go to Korea and I'm in a quarantine and it was still hitting me like, all right, you know, I had to not even get out the room. Uh, the only time I could get out the room was just to get the bag of food they left for me. They had the whole white suit of quarantine and everything. And they just left me in there every day. They check like my temperature and then they just leave me in there. Only Tuesdays and Saturdays, they'll give me a two liter water and that's it. And then like little waters here and there on my meals. So like it was wow. super strict in Korea. Yeah. Dang. So you couldn't. Stay super hydrated because, man, like, I feel like I, a lot of athletes drink like one and a half gallons a day. They right? had to drink these little tiny water They're bottles. They're like, no, you don't hydrate. <laughs> there were these little bottles, and every meal they gave, it was at eight in the morning, or yeah, eight in the morning, 12 in the afternoon, and then at six in that six at night, strictly. And they'll give you like a 300 milliliter bottle of water, but like every meal, but for like the big two liters every Tuesday and Saturday. If I feel like I were not to cut and I was like a regular dude visiting, and I ask, hey, I'm super dehydrated. I want water. For sure, they might do that. They're not going to be super yeah. rude. But I didn't really think of it. I was just working out. I was improvising. And then, like, the water wasn't even an issue. It was just like, all right, you know, I'm chilling. So. That is uh, that is crazy. That's awesome. Man, how long is that flight to Korea? <laughs> that was 12 hours. Oh, 12 hours. Arizona, gosh, no, Arizona to Seattle. And then Seattle to uh, Korea. <laughs> Seattle? Oh, did you go across the ocean the other way? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That I, would I make I, a lot more sense. It'd probably take a lot longer to go the other way. <laughs> yeah. Twelve hours there, and it was actually nine hours back. But regardless, man, it was a long, it was a long flight. It was very long. I've always wanted to go to Korea, and I know that a good friend of the podcast, his name is John Evans. He's a commentator for Spider Korea usually, but I right now it's a little different because of all the quarantine. They probably just had their commentators, or they probably just brought someone in. But um. I, I've always like that is like one of my dreams is to perform on Spider Korea, dude. And like I, when I heard that you like a guy from Arizona was doing it, I was like, yes, I was like, yes, we're in there. <laughs> I was so happy. I was like, no freaking way. And then I, I was obviously rooting for you. Uh, how was it competing like after the quarantine? And did, did it change? Did it change how you competed at all? Um... Do you feel? After the quarantine and even, I think, about three days prior to the actual matches, they gave us a couple of days of training. But despite that, I just feel like it was never, like, my full 100%. Like, I know I could have done way better. And, of course, the two Brazilians, Fabricio and, like, Diego, are going to say the same thing because the Koreans had a hometown benefit. No two-week quarantine and all that stuff. In fact, my third match, out of all three of them, my third match, the dude was, like, the strongest. Because not only that, I lost, like, my whole adrenaline. And, like, after my second match, I was finding any way possible to, like, uh, 
get more pumped. So then as I was getting pumped, I made the mistake of sitting down. I was just sitting down. I was like, all right. I'm like pissed. I'm putting my music and I'm texting people. I'm like, all right, let's do this. I get up. I shake the guy's hand and I feel like the whole blood just dropped. And I'm like, crap. And then, like I said, my adrenaline was gone. My strength was gone. So it was just kind of like survival mode. And like I said, for sure, for sure, if it was a different scenario, I would have performed way better. No doubt. How is the tournament set up? Like a normal tournament? Like mm-hmm. just winner or if you lose, you're out? Yeah. I mean, if I lost my first match, I wouldn't have been in there. Uh, I had that extra match because it was only the top three. So I was the loser of the semi and I had to go with the other loser of the semi. And then those top three will go into the uh, finals. So it'll be five black belts. Hmm. Yeah. So with your third place finish, you'll advance into the next black belt bracket. Mm-hmm. Uh, they that... say I'll be in October. October. Okay. Dang, going back to Korea too? But this time I know what to do. Like, this time, knowing I'll be back, knowing I'll be in a two-week quarantine, and especially for me, I've been through the experience, so I feel like this time I hopefully will be more prepared. Yeah. Yeah, you're also already – yeah, you already went through all the things. Is it mm-hmm. just going to be that bracket, or are they going to have, like, uh, I don't know, a heavier bracket too? As far as I know, just that. It, uh, I feel like they've been planning actually for a while because we were in, like, some meetings and stuff, and they were just telling us, like, you know, we have this whole thing planned, and we were, of course, exposed to it first, and I was like, that makes sense. Road to black, the having five guys. <laughs> yeah in the division in the bracket and they're all like waiting for us pretty much and of course you're gonna have to go through the whole quarantine too not just us so yeah okay okay it was it was pretty cool they just announced that isaac Doderline is going to be in the bracket and uh, that's that's really (laughs) sick isaac is obviously a beast like Mm -hmm. everyone pretty much knows isaac who follows competitive jiu-jitsu and the guys that you uh shared the podium with that the last tournament are also like world-class competitors oh. too like fabricio won europeans at brown belt <coughs> diego is uh, a monster his him and his brother are both beasts and yeah, yeah. yeah so it's pretty cool that you're like up there with them and then you're gonna get to face like the elite of the elite black belt that's like i said it's just weird it's super weird <laughs> like i'm hey believe black. it though believe yeah. it i know earlier you said you said um I, you don't see yourself being able to be that level but dude that's the first step is realizing you're already there yeah you wouldn't have got the call if they didn't think like they wouldn't have got the call like okay let's fly this kid out and watch him get destroyed that's not what that's not what they like you know so you gotta you gotta keep it up here like you're definitely you're definitely capable of it yeah i'm living it dude i'm I'm, I'm liking it i'm believing it hopefully uh i just really want to compete especially with those guys like i thought i have to wait for black and all that and i have the opportunity and then, for example, rolling with Kishio and stuff, like, no matter what day or if I'm good or if he's good or if he's bad, like, he's always winning. He's always, like, showing me up, and I like that. So I can kind of have that stepping stone. And now, now I'm competing at his kind of level, of course, light feather division and stuff like that. It doesn't necessarily make me nervous. Like, I always find a way to be more confident. So, like, it's not that I don't believe it, but, like, I – it's kind of weird how I think. I like to think that I'm rolling with these super, super good guys because I have nothing to lose. You know what I mean? So, like, I will, of course, go as hard as I can, especially for the first match and all that stuff, so that if I lose, I say, hey, man, you lost you lost to a guy, like, at that caliber. But if I do just enough or if I do even better, then, hey, like, I'm the, I'm the brown belt who kind of just surpassed that moment and then, you know, made the ticket in. So, kind of a weird way, but, like, whatever I can, like, put myself in that little, like, situation to kind of overcome, then for sure. Yeah. So do you have uh, any, like, clues as to who else might be in that bracket? Because, like, Spider kind of brings back a lot of the same guys, so I kind of have maybe some ideas in my head of, like, who might, who, they why have, else they might bring the 65 kilo, but do you have any had, idea? Uh, the guy was mentioning Bruno Malfacini, Mikey Musumeshi. Um, maybe the Jamil. Miyabra, the Mia brothers. Uh, Mateus, uh, Mateus Gabriel. Uh, who else? um like zooming in on this picture just trying to make out the outline of them <laughs> there was uh i might be i might be right or wrong but there was also i'm trying to remember his name oh hiago hiago george oh yeah cicero costa he's there's best. an aries guy in the bracket this guy has aries an aries patch on his gi maybe in the in the silhouette photo maybe that's the i don't know <laughs> yeah you and Cassino closing it out that would be sick that would be awesome that'd be really cool I was talking to him about it he's like yeah let's do it and he even said like don't be surprised if you see a big dude who's like maybe feather light or not light but like feather like big feathers who will cut down the light feather because of course money on the line there's not a lot of competitions they don't care they'll cut that way for Spider Korea they don't care he said they yeah. really don't care I'm expecting whoever but the guy was mentioning that uh, a couple of his names it was the Miyar brothers Musumeshi uh, Malfazzini maybe not him but he was mentioning that uh 
Mateus Gabriel, uh, and then Thiago uh, George. Nice. They really make these these fight posters look like anime fight posters too. Right? Like you have to unlock them, play a little bit. Yeah, you gotta unlock, unlock the character. Player. Yeah. So the last one they did, I think it was was it November 2019 or maybe a month before that, something like that. They did a hundred thousand uh, dollar tournament where they did like the lightweight version and then the heavyweight version. Did they mention if there was gonna be like a big cash prize for this one too? No, they didn't mention it. I feel like. I feel like for brown belts, they're just like, you know, we're going to give you the black belt matches. That's enough for you. But no, nah, there, there it might be like a little cash prize. Nothing like 100000 but uh, no, nah, we'll see. I, I don't remember too much detail on that. Like I was mentioning, that it'll be more because top three are pretty much qualifiers. I know I think Diego, who won, got like, what was it, 5000 like they said on the description of Instagram. And uh, I think for the road of black will be top three, we'll get cash prizes. So it'll be more money, of course, distributed. Which would be more looking forward to. Yeah. So um, you can correct me if I'm wrong on any of these details, but I'm pretty sure. So you got second at Nogi Worlds at Brown Belt. Was that yeah. right after you got your Brown Belt? That was right after. That was actually that was like a couple of weeks after I got my Brown. Okay. So do you feel like, because basically, obviously you won Worlds at Purple Belt, so you're the best Purple Belt in the world. But do you feel like that transition, like going in and fighting the best guys at brown belt, do you kind of feel like that helped prepare you to to like fight black belts? Because you kind of had to go from like, okay, you, yes, you're the best purple belt in the world, but now like a few weeks later, you're going to fighting the best brown belts in the world, and like you know, just mentally, did that kind of help you? Um, I mean, going to brown, going to every belt. When I got my purple, when I got my brown, it was uh, it was kind of a kind of a reminder, like don't even expect yourself to win a lot, which makes me go back to that whole little weird mindset i have of like expect the lead so that you can eliminate the fear factor and whenever i eliminate the fear factor i just strictly focus on like the intensity and then my jiu-jitsu and then it just kind of you know blossoms when i went to nogi worlds um my first match i was going pretty smooth and like every match i was going by one by one i was just getting more and more confident and uh <laughs> Believe it, like I said, like I didn't expect myself to win. My my girlfriend, like a couple of my friends, like dude, I didn't know you were gonna like go all the way out there, you know, to the finals at least. And um, of course, by mistake, but the fact that I went out there for my first time in the tournament, for sure, made me feel like okay, maybe brown belt. Like I don't have to think like that anymore. Like if I'm promoted to brown, then I gotta own it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. For, uh, for any upcoming tournaments, and of course, for Spider coming up out of nowhere, like for sure, I gotta own it. I can't just say like you know, all right. I'm a brown belt, you know. I gotta say, like, I'm a brown belt, and I gotta own it, you know. Yeah, no, for sure. You're uh, that was 2018 or was it 2019? Nogi Worlds that you were that you just competed at that you competed at brown belt was 19. Yeah. 18 was my second year. So my first year, I got sick, dude, and I I competed. I know this is you know, if you're listening to this now, you're like, Kobe, uh, can't do that now, obviously. But (laughs) I totally competed. Totally super duper sick. Um, <laughs> at a at, at no game Worlds 2017, but at 2018, uh, I I I have never given myself like a super awesome shot at Nogi Worlds because I'm an idiot. Um, <laughs> but I I celebrated my 21st birthday the week before, and I got a little sick again. <laughs> but I made it's it to the so final. It's so weird how people always get sick around their 21st birthday. It's just like this weird thing. Weirdest thing. Dude. <laughs> but I didn't go hard. I just went like, you know, medium. Anyway, uh, I don't do that anymore, though. I don't want anybody to think that, wow, Jake Watson really isn't a serious athlete. You got to celebrate 21st, man. You got to celebrate it. No, I know. (laughs) It doesn't make me feel any smarter, Mr. Carrasco. So I'm not going to ever do that again. I'm over here talking about, man, I want to go to Korea. And I'm also telling stories of alcoholic irresponsibility. Anyway, um, yeah, dude. Uh, So do you feel like... You're you're primarily a geek competitor, you would say, right? Yeah. Do you feel like um, what do what do you think about all this right now going on, all the all the super fights and you know everything happening in the nogi scene right now seems to be just kind of the the sub sub only no time limit style, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of talk about that. Do you have any plans to get into that, like with nogi or? Uh, I like that actually. I like the fact that uh, if there's <laughs> no points, only submission. But then let's say uh, they have a time limit, so then it shows, like, who had the most submission attempts and stuff for the aggression. But, like, you know what I mean? Let's say I lose, but I know in myself that just because he won, like, I could have submitted him in so many ways. So, like, if there's no time limit and it's just submission, 
it can be a lot of uh, factors into it, like who has the, mo the most will, the most heart, the most technique, the most intensity, the most battery, like gas and stuff. So like stuff like that, I'm down for for sure. Despite the fact that it's Nogi, like I remember doing Nogi Worlds last year and then even 2018. And he, sometimes when I train for it and lately I've been actually liking it. Sometimes I would go to I, I used to go to the gym or the academy and just say, hey, you know what? I'm just going to like train light. I don't really like Nogi, but nowadays I really do enjoy it. So luckily for me now enjoying it while this is going on with that whole transition, I don't mind it. I just feel like uh, I would, if in my, in my opinion, if I were to get like a fight, for example, and uh, it was a no time limit, then that'd be way more better. I prefer that a lot more. You know, Danny, I didn't even think about this. Why is there no sub only no time limit gi matches? It's like only no gi thing. I think that it'd be kind of cool to see in the gi. That is yeah, true. I do. I think probably because they're trying to like get people ready for ADCC, maybe something like that. Um, mm. Whereas like in the gi, everyone's preparing for IBJJF, so they'd have to like train, change their strategy and you know make more changes to their jujitsu. Yeah, but I would love to see like because you see like I feel like with the point system, people complain, oh IBJJF people stall and like. While that is true to some extent, I'm an IBJJ. I love IBJJF through and through. Yeah. But um, imagine if like, okay, take away all that. Now lapel guard is just gonna frustrate you and keep you somewhere. Like it's sub only. So I would like to see how people like Keenan or like you know uh, people who do primarily 50-50 attacks. How it would change their game to, or how it would change us looking at gi competition to see sub only, you know, time limit gi matches too. After ADCC is done for sure, That's because. I would like to see that. I would do that in a heartbeat. Oh, of course. I, I wouldn't disagree. I would. I would I've always wanted. I've always thought about that too. About if they had a tournaments in gi, because this is like the whole thing you're talking about. If they have it in no gi, but then not have it in gi, because like you said, the whole IBJJF. But then again, there's also no gi IBJJF as well, right? And yeah. of course, but nowadays I feel like they're making so many tournaments. Like it doesn't necessarily matter if only they made a. <laughs> Sub only no time gi like it would just be like another tournament to look forward to in my opinion if mm -hmm. you got something to get the crowd if flow grappling which i know they have the power to to somehow make a tournament to go like hey we're gonna make a gi tournament this time sub only no points you know what i mean so for those who's number one events um the fights that gordon ryan was getting they were no time limit sub only yeah. So they can they can definitely set those up. I'm sure there's guys who would agree to it, because um, he got people to agree to it. Nogi, who were primarily gi guys like Ronaldo Jr. and stuff. So, mm -hmm. have, have you done fights to win before? Me. Yeah, shout out to Jake. Done fights to win before. Actually, I've always signed up and all that stuff. Uh, hopefully, I'll be able to do one in uh, Austin or whatever sometime in the future. But not yet, not at all. They'd have to find you a high caliber opponent, I bet. In in some regard, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Because they have um, wait, so you're brown belt now, so but you're you're high you're high one for you're fat right now apparently <laughs> high one forties uh, <laughs> with a yeah, pH, pH, it's a yeah. pH fat it's not a f fat come no, on you just say you're strong you're not fat you're strong he's big boned <laughs> um, so yeah I I wonder yeah, somebody like how much is Sam on the guy weigh one fifty five. Yeah, oh, but he has he has the 155 and the 170 belts, so I think he probably hovers around like in the 160s. He competes at lightweight IBJJF, uh, so he might be a, li a little heavy if you're like being a rooster. But... What's that? Pardon? Sam something right? That Samuel the guy. Yes, there you go. Yeah, yes, Samuel the guy. Yeah. Okay, I'm just thinking, just brainstorming out loud, you know. <laughs> So if you had a chance to watch any of the other like super fight events that uh, have been going on during COVID, like Jits King or like Third Coast, any of the other ones, are there any other rule sets or super fight events that you think would be fun to compete in? Any of them. Any of them, to be honest. Of course, uh, fight to win, but I mean, uh, Third Coast, I've been seeing that a lot more, of course, and I haven't noticed any other ones. It's honestly just been uh, the fight to win and Third Coast. Uh, what, do you, what do you think about Third Coast rule set? <laughs> I like the Duh, you know what dude i <laughs> saw your face immediately go yeah and i do it and i no, and i do it they had kids running around and it was just a legit free-for-all and the rule set was i don't know i thought <laughs> it was back in my time where they had only rarely tournaments for kids like you had to drive two hours to drive for your kids for a tournament or you had to wait for i don't know how many months for a tournament for kids nowadays it's like dude you had a legit free-for-all <laughs> and then there's a like, cash guard or whatever jumping on kids' backs, just choking each other out. Like, that I'd rather do. I don't want to do the adult one. I want to do the kid one, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Bring, like, what a team of guys. What about the adult version and... of the kid one? Yeah. The what? 
an adult version of the kid one, where it's just a bunch of adults doing the same thing. Let's do it. Let's that do spider it. Tree is next Give me like uh, three lives, so that if I get tapped out, I have two lives left or something like that. I don't they know. actually <laughs> announce it like Undertaker style, like and coming to the ring from America. Yeah. <laughs> you just dive in and choke slam Keenan Cornelius or something. They're like, what is this? It's open weight, open belt. No rules, man. No rules. You got a briefcase in the ceiling and everything. <laughs> Bunny's slowly like being lowered to the ground. You gotta try to reach for it. No, but I, the reason I ask is because man, there's so many rules. Or well, I guess uh, this also goes in not the reason I asked, but why Danny asked. Or one of the cool things about that question is there are there's so many rule sets in jujitsu now, man. There are so many. There's IBJJF, the gold standard. There's ADCC. There's Jits King, which is I mean, it was a nogi tournament in Florida. It was really really cool um, yeah. experience to be a part of. Uh, not Florida, but the tournament and. Uh, <laughs> Dude, Florida suck. But uh, and I'm gonna. That's gonna be a recurring joke on the show. It's not a cool place. I didn't like it. Um, but they have like augmented ADCC rule set. Then you have UAE JJF. Then you have the updated uh, Abu Dhabi Grand Slam rule set. You have Third Coast rule set. Uh, no time limit sub only. Fight to win, which is its own rule set. It's like, dude, there's so many now, and it makes me like, what is your preferred rule set? Like, what's your, the one that you think is the best rule set? Um, for GIBJF, no doubt, <laughs> just straight up because they have the no reaping and then uh, the no slamming. And the reason why I say that is because, of course, you don't have. I don't know if like, am I wrong? Like the fight to win stage is a little bit more softer than the mats on IBJF. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I people, I've seen people slam, and it sounds a little bit more bouncy. I don't know, but like, I've seen you. You've all seen like uh, intensities and highlights of people at Worlds, for example. And then imagine they do slams non-stop uh first aid kids like hey everybody come over here so like the slam it doesn't really have to be necessary the whole reaping of course everyone wants to save their knees and heel hooking whole thing even if you go ibjf no gi and they have the whole heel hooking rule set there's a lot of dudes who are super stubborn and they'll say you know what i'm gonna push myself on this knee so i can get the gold and the next you know they blow out their knees so like it's not like a fight to win rule set where you know yeah you lose but the recognition has a super higher like level of competition than I feel like IBJJF is uh, no doubt like the most popular, in my opinion, like my favorite, especially because growing up to it. But um, the Nogi standard with like the whole uh, heel hook thing, I don't mind it actually because, of course, there's no traction. Like you have the gi thing, and imagine having a heel hook on that, and then you'll be yeah. stuck and you really have to tap. And then a bunch of people will say, oh, there's like an excuse of, oh, but my leg was stuck or whatever. Like if it's Nogi and it's heel hook, then I don't mind that at all. But for me, Nogi, um, sorry, uh, IBJJF yeah. all day. Yeah, I actually had the opportunity to help. The uh, fight to win, take down their stage. And the reason why it's so bouncy is because um, they have, okay, the stage is elevated. They put the stage together, so it's all it's all uh, a big apparatus. And then there's wooden planks, and then there's the mat, and then there's the tarp. So it's really soft, and it's the, the wood, is uh, abs- it absorbs the shock. And it being elevated, there's no concrete beneath it, so the mats are definitely <laughs> yeah. going to have a little bit oh, yeah. of That's true. No, that's true. There's there's some people who take the slams, and I always wonder, like, man, you got it on your head, you got it on your back, blah, 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 and they still go, they still go, still go, and then that makes sense now. I mean, yeah, dude. When I'm gonna, I'm all in for slams. Don't get me wrong, I'm all in for slams. If it's fights win, I'm all in for slams. If I get a tangle, <laughs> I don't care if I'm, I'm all in for slams. No doubt. I thought about what if like we saw a rampage Ricardo Arona slam. That'd be sick on fight to win stage. No one would yeah, ever. That's- <laughs> that's the only thing about the slams that like like i like how you can do them to get out of submissions because like you said like a triangle that's a i think that's a legit way to like kind of shake yourself loose and get get your arm out and your head out but like for it to score points as if it's like a submission that seems kind of weird to me that's true that is true the whole point thing for the slamming actually i, I personally wouldn't slam and i'll tell you why like if i'm in a triangle and i slam like the guy doing the triangle is first of all super technical they're going to not obviously give it the triangle. Like, man, if I were in a triangle and I slam, I feel like that'd be kind of a red flag in my case. Like, I gave you a triangle. Yeah. And if I slam, boom, my arm's going to get even more tight. Yeah, and definitely. And I think against someone really technical, they're going to, like, underhook your leg. So it's going to be yeah. really hard to stand up anyway. <laughs> You're going to do something extra. If I were to oh, slam, yeah. if it was in close guard or just take it down or whatever. But I would, I, I've always wanted to slam. If I do fight someone for sure, if I have the opportunity, hell yeah. I, w- I want to do, like, a big judo throw. And, like, because in the gym, if you hit a judo throw standing in the gym training, you always, like, you don't, like, land on them because you're in training. And, like, uh, yeah, I could throw you and stay <laughs> on my feet. Maybe, okay, Kevin's a little meaner, but that's okay. 
because uh, uh, yeah, let's take yesterday for instance. I'm gonna put my boy Cade on blast. I'm training with Cade, and I and I and I do a, I guess it's called a Otsuri Gari or whatever. I don't really know the name of it, but uh, I have an overhook, and I and I do a big throw his feet go up, but I don't land on him. But dude, if we were fighting fight to win, I'm gonna front flip. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a, a classic. Back on the stomach and break back the on the stomach, break the rib. Well, maybe not break the. I mean, what? Okay, Kevin, I need you to explain. I need you to explain, for the sake of all your training partners at home who might be listening to this. Is this an intervention we need to have about being a mean training partner? <laughs> I don't like training with Kevin before worlds. He's mean. That is plan. So it was pretty interesting. Like obviously, we going back to like the quarantine thing um, with Spider making you quarantine for the two weeks. But like before that, like how's training been for you um, with Kishino? Like how, how have you guys been adapting to all the the regulations and the shutdowns and all that type of stuff? Ah man, the adaptation. Like for example, the whole mask thing. Of course, we don't have uh, masks on the mats. I mean, we don't tell people not to have them. <laughs> Want to have the master? But we don't the people who usually show up on the mat, they don't have the mask. Of course, if they're off, like they're watching, they'll have them to kind of have like the respect of whoever else has that issue. But the adaption, like the first first time we had the whole COVID thing, that was a huge hit because that's when like everything was going berserk. Everyone was going crazy. And of course, understandable because it's something new. But the gym, like it was taking a pretty hard hit a couple of uh, months or weeks or so. Now let's kind of have that second wave, not even our gym, but like the whole community, especially I feel like we're taking it a little bit better. So. It's not super big impacted, like high, like deeply impacted, but we're still trying to keep the protocol as much as we can in the academy. Trying to keep everything clean. Um, I feel like it's a balance now where like maybe we're not getting a lot of people, which is kind of good because you know how we're not supposed to have a huge capacity. And yeah. so it kind of goes hand in hand, which I really like. And so we have consistency with training, but we're still kind of trying to keep up with the regulations, you know. So did you feel like when it first hit, like obviously for people who were like planning on doing the pans, it was a big hit because it was only a couple weeks away. It might have been less than a couple weeks away uh -huh. when they canceled it. I remember. But too. like so sad. Yeah. Well, so what was it like, like when you realized that you weren't going to be able to compete for a while? Because I'm sure the first three months of the year, that's all you were thinking about was like Pan Am's worlds, like all the tournaments you're going to do. And then all of a sudden everything's canceled. Like, was it hard to, you know, bring that to like realization and then was like what did you do to like keep improving while you knew you weren't gonna be able to compete it was a lot of going through my mind it was just literally oh yay i don't have to cut weight anymore it was oh no i'm not gonna compete um oh yeah i don't have to waste a lot of money for like a hotel and stuff like that <laughs> yeah um there was so much it was just i remember the day too because uh we were getting ready to train and it was prior to that day that we had it, like, on the post that was finalized. It was prior to that day. We're looking and looking. No, they haven't said anything. No, they haven't said anything. But the day they said it, like, my roommates and I, we all trained. My roommates and I were actually celebrating. We're like, hey, I don't know what it is they were singing in Portuguese. You know how in Brazil, like, uh, in the world, they're, like, singing and stuff like that. Just Chanting. And <laughs> hey, we, already, we already won. Like, we didn't win anything, but we pretty much, like, not going to pans. That was the first thing that happened. All right, cool. Then I'm already over here realizing, like, you know what? We're probably not going to get you for a while. Um, uh, not even thinking, like, all right, I have to keep training to be prepared. It was more like, what's happening? What's going to happen in the gym? Because, of course, if the whole COVID thing is going to happen with the tournament, then, of course, that means gyms are probably going to shut down. And the best thing I had to do was uh, maintain and improvise. Like, the gyms were shutting down. I had some buddies that we'd go do like whatever calisthenics and stuff like that for a while, um, eat the best way possible. And um, yeah, there wasn't really much I could do because of course people had to stay inside. There was a curfew. I remember they were having that whole curfew thing going on. Yeah. Um, shutting down stores, which I feel like was also a big issue because like, if you think about it, yeah, you're cutting out hours for stores, but that means more people are going to be surrounding themselves around each other. So that was also a big issue. And I wasn't really able to go to the store and stuff because uh, I do the night shift at UPS, and so it was, like, a lot to juggle around. Um, keeping up with, like, activities and stuff. The work, because it's, like, a physically, physically demanding job, you know, like, I was able to keep up with that, do some workouts here and there, but, like, jiu-jitsu-wise, jiu-jitsu-wise, it was not a lot at all, actually. During the whole quarantine they were having and whole mix-up, and just really difficult for me, actually. It was really weird. I actually caught up a lot on just relaxing more than anything, just focusing on 
making a little bit extra money and stuff like that. But it was something I was enjoying. Of course, because like as a competitor and for me, thinking about jiu-jitsu not really being in that scenario for me and like hard to kind of handle. So the whole COVID thing was a little bit annoying, actually. Yeah. Yeah. It's been super freaking annoying, dude. <laughs> especially Doug. No, freaking Doug. Really, really <laughs> annoying, but also what I really didn't like was how the people, like how they were affected. There were some people who didn't care, and that's cool, but you don't have to like, like stick it out with your chest and say, I don't care. I'm going to take off the mask. Then there was that other side of the spectrum of people who were super, super serious. Like, what, I don't know when Father's Day was. Like, it was like Father's Day. I was getting a gift. And I forgot my mask, literally. And this was uh, a couple weeks ago. And this lady was looking at us, me and my two friends, we're at a Dollar Tree. And I forgot it. And I asked, I was like, hey, can I put on my shirt? You know, if, if not, it's okay. I'm trying to be super polite. No, it's okay. What? Are you serious? Blah, blah, blah. She starts calling the cops. I'm in the back row. I'm getting a bag. I'm coming out. Three white boys are here and they're uh, not wearing their mask. I'm not white. <laughs> I'm brown. My buddy's Brazilian, and my other friend was white. Actually, he's from he's from Arizona. But like, it was the three of us, and she's just like being super rude in general. She's like, "Hey, three white boys are not wearing their mask, and they're just like breaking the law." And then it was like this whole fiasco. And it was on a Sunday, the day prior to the law, like with the whole governor thing passing, the whole thing with uh, you have to wear masks. So yeah. it wasn't even mandatory. She was just being a complete like dick about it, actually. So that kind of crowded people, I cannot really bring myself around. You know what I mean? It was just like the frustration of that on top of like everything else so like it was really 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 weird the whole transition you know what i mean yeah 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 i think hopefully danny's but danny and i've been sharing lucky experiences not having to wear like you gotta wear a mask but like today i went to yc's and didn't didn't wear one and the lady behind uh -huh. the counter like looked at me weird and i was like oh no i'm gonna get yelled at and she was like we have one you can borrow and i was like borrow but it was it was uh, <laughs> It was a shield. It was a face shield. <laughs> a face mask. <laughs> no, it was like a welder shield. Like, like it looked like I was, I don't know, fucking Tron. You know what I mean, like it was crazy. So yeah, no, I, I used that. I felt like an idiot ordering YCs. No, uh, yeah, I had that. I had the same thing too. I didn't, I got to the airport actually in Korea, and uh, I had I even had the mask. I had to be nice. And I didn't know where I was going. Everything's in Korean. It has some English, but I had to go through the whole line with, like, uh, getting the app for the quarantine so I can do updates every day for the quarantine thing. And I go to the lady, and I say, hey, uh, you speak English. Can you help me out? And she goes, yeah. And I got a little bit too close. And I felt that I got too close because she steps, like, literally, like, it was obvious. She, she says, what's wrong? And I showed her the phone, and she steps, like, five feet away. She goes, oh, that way. And that's it. Just, like, walked away. Yeah. The quick, quiet, and everything. They're super, like, organized, but... That was, like, the first time I had that vibe of just, like, people were actually scared of me. And I had the mask. I was doing the whole procedure and everything. You know what I mean? <laughs> Dang. Yeah. Like so, other than uh, the Spider Korea event coming up, is there anything else that you're kind of, like, like, I I'm sure that's your main focus. But is there anything else that you're kind of, like, looking towards, like, maybe, you know, getting back into, like, a more regular training schedule or, like, a tournament coming up after that? Maybe fight to win? Anything like uh, that? I'm pretty, I'm pretty consistent right now with my training. Um, almost every day I'll try my best to train. Uh, I wanted to do the Austin Open IBJJF, but they filled up really, really, really fast. Yeah, I think they limited the capacity because it yeah, seemed like it filled up super fast, like you said. Fast. That was a bust. Um, fight to win, I'm going to try to aim for. And then, of course, like maybe a, uh, a month prior to Korea I'll do, but anything in between I'm down for. Like if IBJJF opens up another tournament, if the Austin Open was a success... And hopefully they do something a little bit closer to our area. Or maybe Austin again. I'll try to aim for that. But as long as I try to keep consistent with training. Because I realize that now they're starting to open up tournaments. They're starting to open up opportunity. And at a brown belt especially. I don't feel like I'm just going to go compete. And then had a guy in my division who's like, oh, I just got done eating like a straight up, you know, cheeseburger and whatever. They're going to be fit. They're going to be lean. Yeah. They're going to be ready. They're going to be like extra hyped up because it's their first tournament back. So that's kind of the expectation I'm getting for us. So been training consistently and i have actually so there's nothing really much i can do it's just keeping going maintaining yeah yeah i think you'll like fight to win it's a pretty easy operation to work for there yeah. they uh i mean you literally walk off the stage and get paid like that's how it works so it's it's, it's really cool you know what i mean and you know uh, now though like the whole thing i don't know if, uh, oh i have no idea uh, i haven't competed on fight to, i haven't competed from, in fight to win since pre-covid from what i heard they're only paying like the the top 
um, like portion of the card. So maybe like the top five fights or like the top the main card, so to speak. Okay. But I think hopefully that'll change. I mean, they're putting on events consistently, so they have to be making at least a little bit of money or at least breaking even. So I think it's gonna be get it's gonna be getting better in terms of the payouts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're starting to have like people inside, aren't they? Like VIP or whatever. Yeah, I think they were selling tickets to the la- to the who's number one on Friday. There you go. So, yeah, hopefully, hopefully we can continue to see uh, the healing of local events and stuff like that. Because, like I said, like I'm not competing until this is all pretty much done, and I I have my own stuff like that I'm dealing with off the mat too. But uh, I haven't competed for fight to win since since before, like right before this all happened. I think my last tournament was actually like March, and then. And, oh, yeah. No, I remember. Uh, I competed against Hudson, and then I was going to compete against Roberto at the second Who's Number One show. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and that got boom, canceled. shut down. That got canceled. And then everything got canceled, including, like, you know, the IBJF pants. Yeah, it was March. It should be beginning of March. No, actually, I think the Who's Number One was going to be after pants because I remember pants getting canceled, and then – Who's number oh, one, I think, yes. was going to be a few weeks after. Once yeah, they canceled right. that, that's when everything else got canceled. You're right. Well, March 6th was the date that I fought, and then and then after that, yeah, everything got canceled. Mm-hmm. Damn. So sad, dude. I miss it. I miss I miss them. I miss just competing normal. <laughs> competing normal. Like, like, going to Third Coast is really cool, but there was also a bunch of, like, weird guidelines, and it's just, like, it's... It's not there. It's not like they're a weird tournament. It's just that's how the times are right now, and I can't wait how, to. How was it with the guidelines over there? Like uh, now they're they're. I think they are testing you, and they're um, you gotta wear masks unless you're gonna compete. And are they doing the whole nose thing or what? I believe they're doing the nose thing. Yeah. Have you done that or no? No, I haven't. It's not bad. It's not bad. Really? I heard yeah. it's awful. No. It's not bad. <laughs> weird. It's super weird. When I went to Korea and I went to the hotel. The first thing they did was have us in a room. It was like a glass room. And then, like I said, the whole uh, quarantine people with the big white outfits. And they were doing every <laughs> precaution. They're like, oh, okay. You know those little wooden popsicle sticks on a popsicle, like ice cream popsicle? They'll put that in your mouth, like all the way in the bag, and then get a swab out. Put it in a bag, throw it away. And then I'm like, all right, we're done. No, they're going to pull out this plastic-looking, flimsy little, little needle. And it didn't hurt. It was just super weird and uncomfortable because they didn't just go. They went all the way in. Like, you can feel it. Then they wiggled it around, and then oh. they pulled it out. And then they're like, okay, you're done. That's it. I waited a and you're just days, like, like, oh, my God. What was that? You tickled was, my brain. I was <laughs> I was a little spooked because there was a couple people in line who were in front of me, and I, I was, like, super observant. Like, are they hurt? Is it hurting? Are they yelling or whatever? It was just, like, a little phase here, and it wasn't that bad. I was super spooked. I'm not going to lie because, like, the hype of the Instagram and all the trends and stuff they were just like making it super crazy and some people were like having videos of the whole national thing going on and it was like hurtful but it was just weird it was really weird more than anything not that bad yeah. i don't know i got the i got the antibody test and that's literally just a shot and that was that i don't like needles so okay i can barely handle that so i, I know i'm gonna have to get that nose swab i'm not excited for it <laughs> no, have you done it danny I have not. I haven't been tested. I've never felt sick. Let's or go. Anything. Open guard no test field trip. All right. I mean, Open I probably guard should test at some field point. trip to, to COVID test. <laughs> we'll all meet up and get COVID tested together. Yes. Six and feet a... apart. Oh. No. <laughs> no. I'm doing jiu-jitsu, dude. I don't understand that. I haven't gotten sick. And I've yeah, been doing I have not either. I have been doing jiu-jitsu for. I mean, since it's happened, you know what I mean? As my as often as I can. And I haven't gotten sick yet, so I think it's it's I don't know. I I, I don't have an opinion on it because then Open Guard cast is political. So <laughs> that's all I want. Because uh, I don't know. For sure. All right, Kevin. Well, it's been almost an hour, so we really appreciate your time. We're super oh, excited to have someone who uh who lives in Arizona come on the podcast, our first oh. Arizona guest. Even though you didn't grow up here. <laughs> no, 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 no. But uh, love, well, whoever's listening and is not from Arizona and are scared of the heat, don't even trip. There's always AC here. <laughs> yeah. Heck yeah. AC exists. Scorpions, snakes. Uh, what else do you guys have? Crickets. Kangaroos. Crickets. I don't see. <laughs> I really haven't. Maybe once. So, like, the whole stereotype is, like, not super true. Unless you're, like, looking for it and have, like, UV ray light or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 
yeah. <laughs> it's hot, but there's there's water. We have water. California doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> California doesn't even have water. Arizona is like hot and desert, and we have water. So suck it, California. I'm just kidding. I love I love you guys. You California, you're you're cool with me. You had Arnold Schwarzenegger as your governor. Don't even. We did. We did. That's true. No, did no. Did you have any like sponsors? Anymore. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, he can't say we anymore. He's Arizona now. We did. Nah. I'm uh, born in California too, bro. That's his home, though. Bellflower. Bellflower, you're from LA, okay. Right next to the pyramid, like literally, like I was born like within a well, eight mile radius of the pyramid. Uh, we were not uh doing well in California, so we moved to Arizona. Oh, it's expensive, man. That, everything's expensive, of course. So yeah, but we were like, even if it wasn't expensive, we weren't doing good. That's the thing. So what, we moved to Colorado, and then in Colorado there was a big uh, family thing, and we were homeless for a bit, and then we moved to Arizona. So moved to Arizona because we had to. <laughs> we had we had family here, and we were like, we need help. So we we came, and that was a. Uh, but yeah, hey man, I love California too, but I'm more of a I like the world kind of dude as well. I want to mm-hmm. go to Korea. I want to go to Japan really bad too. I, I didn't mean to the, pick you off, Danny. The one in Japan, I was thinking the same thing. I want to go to Japan uh europe of course of course like jiu-jitsu oriented but it's because of jiu-jitsu that i want to see the world so like literally i'm down for whatever korea was like the first place i did internationally i never competed out of the country until korea so that was a huge super crazy nice experience and i'm down for whatever as long as it's getting better like if for whatever reason they're able to open up a tournament internationally i'm down for it for sure awesome i want to i want to do the same thing danny so thanks again. Like we mentioned, we really excited to have you on. Are, are there any like sponsors or anyone you want to thank before we uh, end the podcast? Tireless, uh, they're a gi company I think in the Bay Area. That's my sponsor. So shout out to Tireless uh, if you guys want to check them out. Um, shout out to Arizona, of course. Yep. All right. <laughs> uh, Phoenix Jiu Jitsu, Aries BJJ, all you guys, the fam out there. Appreciate you guys. I appreciate you guys too for bringing me in. Good opportunity. I really like the convo, man. Everything was cool, for sure. Awesome. Cool. Well, we have some people we would like to thank as well. So we're going to thank High Tier Photography, Chill Fit Cryo, Agro Brand, Marcio Andre Jiu-Jitsu, Matakaba BJJ, and Instagram. <laughs> uh, oh, calm down. I was going to do it. I was going to do it. I was going to use my epic voice. Anyway, here we go. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, Electrum Performance. If you want to get thick, mean, what? swole, you need Electrum Performance <clears throat> in your life. Open GuardCast 25. No discount. Use that. Get thick. Get mean. Get swole. Uh, they have everything. They even have programs, and I'm not. I'm just saying. They have programs to where if you don't have weight equipment, they're like, we got you, fam, cuz. We got you. If you're quarantined in a hotel for two weeks because you're in Korea and you like, dude, what do I do? They have you. And they have a really good responsive Instagram. I'm just saying. Anyway, uh, thank you guys so much for following us. I even Please, know uh, the goofy guy, man. Every time I see you compete, so serious, man. Gee, yeah. <laughs> you look so serious. It's because I have uh, my heart is black. That's why. <laughs> my heart is a during, black. During hole. the match, you look serious. For sure, during the match, you look serious. But if but if you ever, Kevin, <laughs> I invite you. You can come up to me. This is a person, literally not even just like. You with a coffee mug just, like, so interrogating me and all that, just, like, getting some answers. <laughs> WWE over here. All right, cool. <laughs> no, because, okay, so you can – Kevin, I invite you. Next time you we are competing at the same event, you can literally come up to me and ask me anything up until two seconds before my match, and I will answer you. <laughs> and, I, and I will have a conversation. But when, I'm, when it's go time, I'm just, like, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because I have, like, ADD or something like that. I just have this ability to just shut it all off and, like, go compete. But I'm still having fun. I I can't turn off, like, having fun. People think that I'm crazy because I'm, I'm, like, bipolar, but selectively. I'm one of them who believed you're crazy, you know what I mean? Oh, nice. (laughs) (laughs) The first time I heard about you, I was in in Arizona. The first time I heard about you was the Phoenix Open. I forgot who was Mateus, the twin brothers. You beat one of them. Mateus. Mateus, Mateus, you you beat him twice, and then... Because you were like, dude, Jake Watson just freaking beat that guy. I was like, holy crap. Then I was like, who's this guy? And that was like starting to be here in Phoenix. I was like, Jesus, man. Like, if I, if I had a chance to roll, that would be cool. But then, like, I noticed you were born. I was like, the 
scary guy, dude. Like, this guy's a... <laughs> he is a dick. <laughs> tall, man. I'm not tall. I'm, like, 5'9". I'm not tall. So, like, I see you, black belt, Arizona. And I honestly thought of a big stereotype. Like, Arizona was like, yeah, America. <laughs> we're, we're red state yes yeah. I, and then seeing you i was like jesus this guy's gonna hit me with the western accent and just i'm a black belt <laughs> hey uh, nice to meet you man how's it going welcome to arizona. comes out with a cowboy hat yeah, welcome welcome to arizona uh we actually we got a lot of really nice amenities here uh, no dude i honestly i would love to come trade I, I, i'm and that's like oh, dude, that's i don't cool. know i wonder how many people think i'm like like really serious or scary because like in the jiu-jitsu community arizona is pretty tight-knit like everybody kind of knows each other yeah so it's uh i've been competing in arizona i mean shoot dude danny's known me since i was like what 13 years old 14 years old yeah i mean since 2014 so danny's how old do you think danny is (laughs) now i have you can't mess this up i'm 22 so how old do you think danny is 21 you're You're off you're off by 10 years He's 31 what? years old. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> Crazy, right? I'm 22, yeah. I'm 31. So we did have a guest who, who guessed that I was 32. Bro, he thought I'm, I was older. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm 21, but I look like I'm 16. And this guy's 22. <laughs> and you look like you're 24. Like, <laughs> like I'm so, I, so what you're saying is I look like the youngest <laughs> out of us three. Yeah, no, I'm the youngest. I said I look like I'm 16, but he has a little scruffy beard. He came out of a frat party. <laughs> came out of a frat party. That's so funny. After the story about the 21-year-old party in the Nogi Worlds, for sure you have to be a party animal, man. <laughs> I am not a party animal. I am not. Oh, man. I have a, I have a funny story for you off air. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, before I get roasted too hard by a guy who accomplished my dream before I did, uh, <laughs> Danny... Just take us out of here. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. This is episode 37 of the Open Guard Cast with Kevin Grosko of Team Aries, and we'll see you guys next week.